Well, good morning and welcome to worship, you guys. It's so great to be here on this reveal weekend. We are so excited. In fact, we decided to do a repeat today. And if anyone in the room did not get a chance to offer themselves up to be sponsored, to be chosen by a child in Bolivia, we've got Brittany and her companions in the back of the room there with uh, World Vision. And they are actually going to have a photo booth after the worship service today and give us a second go round at it, which means anyone who signs up to sponsor a child or be chosen by a child today will have their reveal here next weekend on the 21st. Can we just give God a round of applause and welcome our guests from World Vision. It's great to have you guys here and to be partnering with you. And as we've been talking about being chosen and what it's like to be chosen by God, uh, I don't know about you, but my faith has grown stronger with this messaging. Anytime we're chosen by someone, it makes us feel belonging. It makes us feel like we belong, like we're part of a family or part of something bigger than ourselves. So what we're going to do is focus on some scripture today that talks about the idea of bearing fruit in God's kingdom. And as we dig in, we're going to invite our kids age 4 to 10 to join Miss Michelle in the back of the room there as they head out down the hallway to Kid Street. And then those of us who are left in the room will dive into the scripture. You guys have a great time over there in Kid Street. They always do. All right, I want to share with you again a scripture that we've been focusing on through this series. And this is John chapter 15. This is where Jesus in the scripture is talking about the vine and the branches. You know, we are the branches that are grafted into the vine of Jesus. And he says these words, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So the emphasis in the scripture is on who doing the choosing. The emphasis is on God doing the choosing, not my decision-making power or my will, but Jesus making that choice of us, God making that choice of us through Jesus. He says, I chose you and appointed you for what reason? So that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, I don't know if you guys keep fruit in your house, but we keep fruit in our house. And sometimes the fruit looks really yummy and inviting. And sometimes the fruit just sits there on the counter way too long and turns into what ends up looking like a science project. So then you have to kind of figure out, well, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna just throw the fruit away? Or in the case of bananas, what do you do? Banana bread, you know, we didn't even hesitate, right? I tend to throw black bananas away or, you know, bananas that are, you know, starting to turn color. But uh, Heather says, no, those are good for banana bread. So fruit, we know, is good for a little while, but then after a little while, what happens to it? It decomposes, it rots, you know, and we have been encouraged and inspired and in fact, even empowered to bear fruit that lasts. This is fruit that never spoils. This is fruit that you never have to pivot and turn into something else like banana bread. This is fruit that lasts forever. And it's tied to this idea that even though the scripture says these words in English, it's not quite like this. It's not the idea that you have been saved in the past and somehow your saving nature is over. Like it's something that you have to live up to. It's not like that. In fact, the scripture puts it this way. You are saved. It's a current present circumstance. You live in the salvation that Jesus has won for us on the cross. 
And so therefore, if your fruit, the fruit that your life bears is tied to Jesus, it's not going to rot. It's not going to die. It's not going to go away. The fruit is going to last because who lasts? Jesus lasts. He is eternal and everlasting. And in him, we have the same eternal and everlasting life. And in fact, he invites us to walk along with him in eternal life. Not eternal life that starts after you die, but eternal life that starts when? When you understand and receive and believe the idea that you are saved. Not that you have been and that you're trying to live up to something in the past, but you are saved and that's a current condition for you. And not only are you saved from your sins and rebooted into a new life, but you're rebooted into a life that lasts and a life that produces fruit, fruit that lasts forever, as long as we do. And what could that fruit be? But the souls of others that God puts in our pathway. I wanna share with you again a piece of scripture that we read through there at the end of the reading. This is Matthew 7 and 24. I just wanna draw your attention to one particular word. Hint, it's bolded. Check it out from 724 in Matthew. This is, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. Now, which words? These are the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. This is where he's giving instructions to the church. And so what he's not saying is this. He's not saying that by performing all these things that I've just shared with you, that you're somehow going to earn the good graces of God. That's been given to you how? as a gift. But now Jesus' instruction for life comes with an outcome. Jesus' instruction for life comes with an outcome. And that outcome is that fruit is born out of your life that lasts forever. And here's how he does it. He says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock or on rock. The rain came down and streams rose and winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on a rock. Now over in Scotland, I don't know if you've ever been to Scotland before, I have not. I hopefully look forward to going there someday. In fact, Heather and I planned a 20-year anniversary trip to Scotland to use our points on our credit card to go over to Scotland and hang out for a little bit, our place of origin, as it were. But then a little thing called COVID-19 came along and deferred that trip. So one day we look forward to going over there, maybe a random 23rd anniversary or something like that. But anyway, there's a, there's a castle over there, um, Carleverock, I believe is how you pronounce this, Carleverock Castle. This castle dates back to the 1200s AD. Now what's interesting about this castle is not only is it built in the shape of a triangle, and does it have two moats around it? One of them still has water in it. The outer moat has dried up many, many years and generations ago. But there was actually a first Carleverock castle. A little bit to the south, about 200 meters, there was a castle called Carleverock Castle, if I could get it out, that was built on grass. Now that castle was built on grass and sustained a couple of hits from attacking armies, but then just fell apart because its foundation was not secure. So Lord Maxwell, the Lord who built the second iteration of the castle, happened to find a triangular piece of rock 
big enough to the north, 200 meters, to build a new version of the castle. And when he moved the castle, the pieces of the castle that remained, and rebuilt Carleverock Castle on rock, that castle stands to this day. And in fact, it was even besieged by King Edward I in the year 1300, who brought 3,000 men with him, plus chariots and siege works and all kinds of stuff. If you don't know what siege works are, basically they're the kind of big ladders and technology that they had back then that would scale the wall of a castle to get over it. So for weeks and weeks and weeks, 60 men held Carleverock Castle that was built on solid rock against an onslaught of more than 3,000 British invaders. And they finally ended up surrendering after some weeks. Maybe they ran out of food. But you can see the implication of the castle that's built on the rock. That castle, that house, is still standing as a testimony today for the firm foundation that it lies on. It's the same way with the work of Jesus and in fact the words of Jesus. When we trust in the words of Jesus, it's like a new house in our life is being built and it's not only defensible against attacks, but it's the kind of place that produces something that will last. A castle built on grass doesn't last. A castle built on rock will last. A castle built on my power, my interest, my stuff, my money, my career, my family, my friends, my interests. A castle built on those things, even as nice as it sounds, is not built to last. The castle of a life built on the rock of Jesus is built to last. And you can see evidence of that in Carleverock Castle over there in Scotland. Here's how you build a life on the rock of Jesus. There are three pieces, three parts to listening to the words of Jesus and enacting them in your life, following them so that the house of your life is built on a rock. The first is actually to hear the words of Jesus. When he teaches in the scripture, we come to church and we hear his words. When we are away from church, from that one hour a week where we hear the word of God, we also choose to hear the word of God, meaning we choose to either read it to ourselves and let it come into our own heads by our own reading, or we choose to have someone else read it to us or with us. The word gets heard. It gets into our heads. And then secondarily, we understand it. So when we hear the word of God and we don't understand it, we seek to try to understand it. And the best way to do that is with other Christ followers who are also seeking to understand it. That is through the use of commentaries and Bible studies and things of that nature. Even a good study Bible will help. But the number one best way to grow in the word is with other people who are reading the word and who want to know it, who want to understand it. That helps us to grow in understanding. And then the third thing is by taking the words of Jesus and actually doing them. Understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit that we not only have the opportunity to follow Jesus in theory, but also in practice. So when Jesus says, love one another, 
And we understand that that kind of love is a self-sacrificing kind of love where you and I bind together like family, even though we aren't blood relations. We are spirit relations. We bind together in the word and that makes us stronger. It makes us like a castle built on a rock instead of on grass or on sand. And that binding together produces fruit that will last. It's as if the foundation is Jesus and we are the bottom layer of rocks that make up that castle or stone. And the stones that God brings into our lives, those people that need Jesus, when we, for them, share the good news of Jesus, they become built into that castle. They're part of the structure. And it's a structure that's built to last. So we understand that hearing the word of God and then seeking an understanding of it and then practicing it, actually doing it together with other people who earnestly want to follow Jesus is a way to build a life on solid rock. Now, if you don't do that, what happens in your life according to the scripture? You're building a castle on sand or on grass. And will that fruit last? The scripture says, no, it will not. But scripture says clearly that a life built on that rock will withstand not only time, but attack, scrutiny, ridicule, and desperate life-altering conditions, like the ones those our friends in Bolivia are experiencing every single day. For us, it's the opportunity to give of what God has given to us to share with someone else in the context of the work of Jesus. That's one thing I'm so proud of our church for, is that we didn't just pick an organization to partner with who sponsors children in countries who are struggling to meet basic needs. We picked an organization who lifts high the name of Jesus. They put the name of Jesus right on their website so that even a cursory overview of World Vision will show you this is an organization that means to follow Jesus in very practical ways. So what they've done is they've taken Matthew 25 very seriously. The idea that when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. When I was alone, sick and suffering, you were there. They took those words seriously and turned them into an organization, something that changed the face of the earth, something that will bear fruit that will last. And for us at this level, it's such an honor to partner with something like that. World Vision is not the only organization, it's not the only people around the planet who are following Jesus. We are following Jesus too. Why not follow Christ together? And that's why we have chosen. But think about the why of what we're doing. Think about the solid rock upon which we're building. These are Lincoln Logs. If you've ever played with Lincoln Logs before, I'm a big fan of Lincoln Logs, and I don't know if you've ever played with them or built anything out of them. There's a young man uh, by the name of Sam Lee, and you'll notice that his left eye is turned inward. The reason is because at age five, Sam Lee had a terminal brain tumor that turned, it grew so big, it turned his left eye inward. And in fact, 
he couldn't see anymore and he had a hard time moving anymore uh, toward his fifth year. And in fact, five years ago today, on this very day, Sam Lee, who was five years old, passed away from this terminal brain cancer. He had this tumor in his head and he was not going to survive it. But the thing that he used to love to play with until the very last day before he passed was Lincoln Logs. See, Legos were too small. He couldn't see them. He couldn't grasp them or manipulate them. Lincoln Logs were big enough where he could get a handful of them and build something out of them. So when Sam passed away five years ago today, his parents didn't know what to do with their grief. But they understood and saw this vision in their head of their son loving to play with these Lincoln Logs. And so they decided by the time of the second anniversary of Sam's passing to build the biggest Lincoln Log structure ever known to man. And in fact, they took 17,504 Lincoln Logs to build the structure you're seeing now. It surpassed the latest Guinness Book of World Records for the biggest Lincoln Log structure ever built at 17,300. They didn't set out to break a Guinness World Record. They set out to remember their son and build something of the fruit of his life that would last. In their case, it was a memory. And forever long as this Guinness World Record stands, that's icing on the cake. The cake is that they've taken every single piece, every 17,504 pieces of this structure and put it up for sponsorship around the world. And the reason they did that is the sponsorship raises money for pediatric cancer research. Pediatric cancer research gets 4% of all cancer research dollars raised. They wanted to see fruit of their trust and faith in the beauty of their son last. So they built this structure and shared it with the world. Think about the structure of your life that God is building and preparing to share with the world with a lasting memory of his son working in it and how that building is the fruit of your life built on the rock of Jesus. Psalm 18.2 says this, the Lord Yahweh is my rock, my fortress, my savior, my God and my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, my place of safety. God is our shield, our power, our place. He is the rock upon which the building of our lives are built and shared with the world, sponsored as it were, for the cause of Jesus. This is a little girl who, um, in one of the two villages that we are partnering with, signed her papers and wrote a little note to whichever family she chose this past week. She's one of ours. I don't know her name yet, but I look forward to getting to know her as a part of your family. Whichever family in the room today is sponsoring this child, you're going to get to know her by name. And the rock under your building of your life 
will be shared with her in very practical ways. You'll provide for her food. You'll provide for her shelter. You'll provide for her clothing. You'll provide for her education. And you'll provide for the village around her that supports her and loves her and grows with her. Congratulations. You are building something that will last because Jesus called you to do it, equipped you to do it, showed you how to do it, and led the way. We are so grateful to our God, and I am so grateful for you that you're being willing to be built and to become fruit that will last. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, we are so in awe of you and of the power you have to change lives. We thank you for the opportunity, God, to open up a new way, a way that will give people a chance to support others in the name of Jesus. And God, as we enter into this season of relationship with someone on the other side of the world, we pray, God, that you would bless them and their loved ones and their families. And we pray, God, that as you've already blessed us, that you will continue to pour out blessing on our relationship, that you will continue to build a building that will last, the fruit born of faith. We trust you for ways that are made where there is no way. God, we love you and we worship you. We sing to you now in response and we trust you all the more. In your name we pray and together we say, Amen and amen.